What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com, and I'm your host, Gordon Burkell, and this episode, we're talking to Michelle Tessero, and we're going to be discussing her work on the critically acclaimed and extremely popular show, The Queen's Gambit. We're going to start off with asking her specifically just what hasn't she been asked, because she's been interviewed a lot for the show, and she just got nominated for an Emmy, so we wanted to diverge from what her previous interviews might have been so with all that said here's my interview with michelle is there a question or something that you're like oh i really enjoyed doing this on the queen's gambit but no one's asked me about it yeah i was thinking about that this morning like what haven't we talked about and i think what's harder to talk about because it's not quite a clear plot point is beth's journey through her addiction Mm -hmm. and through her loneliness and the sort of awkwardness that she brings to the table in every relationship, you know, from the point that she is in the orphanage and and beyond and and how this type of character, it's not an anti-hero, right? We're so, Mm -hmm. there was this like period of time where all we were seeing was anti-heroes. We get really tired of anti-heroes, right? Mm -hmm. But this is a very complicated Um, and troubled character who, you know, maybe a lot of us can relate to and how this aspect of her life plays into the game of chess. I feel like somebody did ask me about it. The guy from Bill Deshowitz from IndieWire had alluded to, you know, maybe the way the the game of chess is sort of similar to her life. I I didn't really think about it that way. And certainly Scott and I did not have those conversations. (laughs) So I don't want to make things up, you know, but, but we did talk a lot about, you know, what kind of person Beth is and how that plays into her being able to win at the game versus being able to win at life. Mm -hmm. And when we find her in episode seven, Mm-hmm. And the big question is, is she going to yet again lose the game because she's losing at life mm-hmm. um, and, and how these things interplay? And, 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 and finally, we do see her sort of in that moment overcoming, you know, what are we trying to say? I remember like when we were putting this thing together, Scott really didn't want to play up this idea that, you know, she was recovering This is not like a recovery Mm -hmm. story. I mean, we kind of go into it, but we don't really go into it. We're just sort of playing that this is an aspect of her life that maybe continues after the Sigrayim part, you know, (laughs) or maybe it doesn't. How did it play off to you when, when you watched it? Well, I actually wrote up a question, which was um, editing isolation. (laughs) <laughs> question mark <laughs> and i hadn't Editing figured out isolation. How, i didn't i hadn't figured out how to ask that yet and so i was like trying to like how do you give us that sense of isolation like you were saying and sort of show it to us or make us feel it because that's what it felt you know like when she's in the orphanage even though she has a friend there she's still isolated to a certain degree and then when she gets picked up by these new parents she's isolated even though she's with them i guess it would almost be a question about perspective in a sense all these people that enter into her life seem foreign to mm-hmm. her. It's not like anything she's experienced and she's always sort of 
we're always discovering these people, you know, and they're, they always seem so different just by the, the kind of dialogue that they're saying and, and the situation. And she's always sort of keeping them at arm's length, obviously, eventually with Alma, she, she embraces her, but it takes time for her to embrace her. And I mean, we have, we spend a lot of time with Beth alone. I mean, mm -hmm. she's always alone in the orphanage, obviously, even though she's in a room with a bunch of yeah. other girls, she's always the only one awake, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and that's actually when things start to happen in her mind is all the noise of the environment that, you know, we put her in quiets and she's always sort of then things start to happen. I mean, obviously, visually, we're seeing the chessboard on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And that's something that only seems to unveil itself, you know, at night, or when she's by herself, except for the end. At the end, her friends are there. And I think there's a lot of times even like, you know, we don't, I, I guess this got me thinking because I was looking at episode three and four, where, you know, she, she meets the college kids mm -hmm. and she spends, there's this a little bit of a coming of age sequence of her, you know, seeing what it would be like and enjoying being by herself again. And I, I feel like these moments, I really identified with Beth a lot because I spend a lot of time by myself. You know, I mean, as a child, I always spent time by myself. My mother worked a lot. She worked two jobs. She's a nurse. And I was always passed off to babysitters and other people to look after me. And a lot of times I was a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if people even know what that is anymore. I'm but... a fellow latchkey kid. And uh, <laughs> it's actually a Canadian term. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, funny. Because <laughs> I looked it up one day. I'm like, where did that even come from? And it was said on the CBC at one point. So when you're always alone with your thoughts you know your imagination especially as a child that you create the world mm -hmm. you know and i feel like i i identified with her so i guess maybe that came through in what i found interesting in the footage what i thought could come together i mean it wasn't it's not something you logically say oh because i've spent all this time alone i'm gonna cut it this way <laughs> it just sort of happens yeah. right but also in terms of how she relates to people she's very awkward she doesn't understand really what they want mm -hmm. and even if she does she sort of has this inclination to push it away because she doesn't know what to do with it you know even when someone tries to get close to her like harry mm -hmm. right harry beltic she doesn't know really how to handle that so in the only way that she knows how to has this control over the board and what they have in common is 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 chess she always that's the safety mm -hmm. you know it, it starts to become like a safety net i don't know we all have i don't know she's very uncomfortable in this world of like non-chess <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and being a teenager at an awkward age is also sure. probably gonna add to that now is that what excites you about scripts when you get them is like the character dynamics and the struggles the characters have to go through yeah, I I think I was trying to remember whether this aspect of her character was in the book or if it was something that Scott sort of imbued into the script. Now, I can't remember um, whether they were one and the same or whether this idea came when Scott and I were cutting and he would mm -hmm. explain to me where Beth was coming from. 
And um, because in the book, it really, to me, seemed a lot of times that she had a very logical approach to life. I mean, obviously, she's very mathematical brain. And, and I think Scott added to that of saying she's never had a real relationship in her life before. And this is the reason why, you know, she, she doesn't know, you know, it excites me when you're discovering these things as the process goes along. Like you were saying, discovering it as the process goes along, you know, like when I've seen footage, sometimes there's, uh, you know, one of the powers of editing is being able to change the perspective or be able to change the way people interpret the scene. So was there mm. a lot of like an adjustment or what have you to the character that you had to undertake? That's that's a difficult question um, because I think it was a group effort in that mm. Anya was starting to, you know, as the shoot went on and we shot her a little bit older, uh, you know, every time uh, that she was finding that part of her character, whereas mm -hmm. maybe in the beginning, you know, there were some scenes that we shot for episode five, which is takes place a lot in the house with Harry. She hadn't quite found who Beth was yet. Sometimes we had to shape it into that direction of, of the awkwardness, more awkward, but confident in this respect, but not confident in this other respect. Mm -hmm. So, and then obviously there are other scenes that were shot a little later in principal photography where she already honed in on that character. So there wasn't a lot of manipulation to get the character that way because she, she was already there. Mm -hmm. In terms of the story, um, I don't, I'm trying to think if there was any times where we, you know, shifted the storyline around. I would say one thing is, you know, in discovering putting, putting um, Mariella and uh, cutting all those scenes with, with Alma, mm -hmm. actor Mariella together is that, you know, people really loved her. I mean, I loved her and we wanted to spend more time with her. And it was the one time that you could see a relationship that she felt really comfortable in. Hmm. And because there aren't many of those, except for maybe Scheibel um, and Jolene that she's comfortable with, we wanted to like be there as long as possible so that when the thing happens, that it's the most crushing it could be. And I think when we cut up some of the episodes at the top and created more episodes out of fewer hmm. episodes, um, it felt as if we were spending more time with Alma and falling and investing in her more, but therefore having Annie invest in, in that relationship more. So I, I feel like that's the only time really that we sort of manipulated editorially, mm -hmm. maybe something in her character that, but it really wasn't that much of a <laughs> manipulation. You've been nominated for an Emmy for the second episode, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And if you were an actor, they would send out a reel or a, an episode, and it would say for your consideration underneath. And people would know that at this particular scene, there's a really good emotion. Was there something that you would show the, the voters your, your ability as an editor? Was there a scene or a moment in there that you feel you're really proud of? Overall, it was very difficult to pick this episode. <laughs> like, I literally ran a poll. I asked... <laughs> friends who'd seen it i'd ask i mean i think i had gabby my pr reps uh to ask 
people I didn't know to give mm -hmm. their opinion because I had no idea because to me there are there are positives and negatives to every episode mm -hmm. I had issues and uh highlights in every in every episode and mm -hmm. and I mean I think because I did all of them I never think about it as just one thing it's like you're asking me to pick your favorite child you know <laughs> yeah I mean, there are some of your children you don't like, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're never say. so I'll, I'll say that as one is I, I feel like because we approach this as 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 a whole long movie, that in particular is one feat that you don't normally have to do. Mm -hmm. um, and because I was the sole editor, you know, along with my assistants who also helped and I used as you know, bouncing ideas and 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 allowing them to cut some to give me more ideas. That's also a challenge to be able to keep the whole thing in your head and, and try to have it have one voice, which is difficult. But I think the reason why I ended up on two is it feels like I was trying to keep in mind that maybe there might be that one person out there who hadn't seen the show. And I always felt that one thing about episode two is that is actually the episode where I really found the rhythm of the show, you know, it, how it moves and it, how it moves forward. Also, I think the character of Beth sort of starts to really flesh itself out. And I, and I think that it has the most basic elements of a chess tournament where you're mm -hmm. learning cause she's learning yeah. what it is. And I in particular like that last scene. That was that was going to be my point is that uh, I think the it was a great Belgian. yeah getting to beat <laughs> that guy who's kind of a jerk. You also mentioned uh, learning the chess. How did you go about approaching these cuts to educate us who are ignorant of chess so that we can follow along? Because there's a lot to chess, but at the same time you do it in a way that it makes it accessible. Yeah, I mean I think that's. You know, I, I don't know if I had anything to do with that <laughs> because, you know, just like when you're writing a script and, and everything, mm -hmm. I mean, these things have to be decided upon before shooting. And, mm -hmm. you know, you have Bruce Pandolfini and obviously um, Gary Kasparov and, and eBay. And we had many wonderful chess consultants who guided Scott and created a whole chess Bible of every scene and what they would be playing. And, you know, they really, you know, I think Bruce really thought in mind, oh, you know, this scene is about whatever. So we're going to use this there. I think they got really nerdy about it, you know? So by the time it comes to me, the decisions of what they're going to do have already been made. You know, I just have to make sure that I'm doing them correctly. I also think that Scott really wanted and obviously everybody agreed with this, really wanted to focus on not the what, but the why, mm -hmm. you know, of the scene. And specifically in the Kentucky tournament in the beginning, you know, they really walk you through, oh, these are the names, you know, she goes up, mm -hmm. to, the up to the board, you meet Towns, it's an opportunity to introduce this character, plus he describes what we're looking at on the board, right? And then she goes, she sits down, and I can't remember the character's name, Anne. She's there very quickly. <laughs> she gets Yeah, she's there fast. in the beginning, she's there at the end, right? Yeah. She walks her through, you know, and she walks her through, okay, what is the clock? What is what is this writing down of the <laughs> moves? And because we don't know either. So there's a lot that we learn. I, and even when she walks to the table um, to speak to the twins, 
which I just, I really like that scene where we discover the one and the other and then they're the same. <laughs> and she's very quick on it, monotone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they're describing, well, you know, you are you rated? You know, all these things, we're learning all these things which are really interesting. And so it's a clever way for us to understand the tournament and just get it over with. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to see this moving ahead in, in the other episodes. And at that point, we can just focus on the drama or the characters, the type of players that she faces. Like in episode two, you see, you know, the guy who does the thing with his hands. Mm-hmm. And then you see the guy who who's always combing his hair in between, you know, all the, all the different little ticks of the characters. Cause these things are more interesting mm-hmm. and more important because you're never going to teach somebody how to play chess by watching the show. Yeah. So you got to present them with, what it all means people always say that editing is the last rewrite so where would you say the script ends and your job as an editor sort of takes over in terms of crafting the story you know other than taking the script and making sure that the spirit of the script stays with with how we present it in the end with the cut but also you know finding ways because sometimes in the script you would write yeah you know they play <laughs> as I would laugh sometimes because he would say, you know, the script page would maybe be an ace of, you know, they play a game <laughs> <laughs> and then, or they play, they, they continue to play. Yeah. And then he has a, some moves written in, but it's sort of vague. Right. And then you actually get the footage and they've done this whole game that's like an hour long i mean a really good example is when she meets gans for the first time Mm -hmm. um the gentleman who takes her to duncan high on the page it went so it went by much quicker but when they shot it they shot whole games and (laughs) however interesting that is it's not the point or the spirit of what is going on there, right? Mm -hmm. What's going on there is that he's impressed with the breadth of her knowledge at her young age. And and how do we get to that? And rhythmically, gosh, we just came with from a whole montage of her cutting or learning how to play chess with Scheibel. So we're Mm -hmm. we're going from chess to chess to chess. It's just like too much chess. A big challenge editorially was really finding what is too much and what is um, what do we need more of? And even though it might be wonderful, is it really earning its time in in the movie? And I think editorially, you have to decide, look, no one is going to know what you shot, what was written. They're going to take in what you're giving them. Especially now, people can just turn. Th- I mean, I know I do it. I turn it off and I, I don't watch again. If you mm-hmm. lose me you've lost me because there's way too much out there. So you really do have to keep in mind that you've got to keep, you have to weave the story where you're not losing people Mm -hmm. and you're giving them a little bit of lightness and a little bit of darkness and a little bit of tension. It's, it's all about keeping that tension throughout. So I think, yes, it's a last draft about how we're telling, but it's also how we're telling it and you're creating a ride. And I think that's what's different than, you know, the actual shooting of it and the actual writing of the script. Now, I have one last question for you. And I ask this of all the editors I interview. Uh, What would you say your favorite guilty pleasure film is to watch? So this is sort of similar to the Desert Island film, right? 
because I would want to have that feeling. <laughs> um, I love uh, When Harry Met Sally. Oh, okay. That's a great one. I will watch that over and over again. In fact, uh, when I was in college, my friend had recorded it on a cassette tape and on our on a drive from Champaign-Urbana to Chicago, we listened to it. Um, so it's like, I really know like a lot of the lines and the little passages and it comes up all the time in my head. Like, you know, wow. it's just, I think it's the perfect little movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for letting me interview. Oh, thank you. So that's our show for today. I'd like to thank Michelle for allowing me to interview her. I'd also like to thank Evan Winch for cutting this episode. I'm your host, Gord Burkell. Thanks for listening.